And we're back with episode 15 of Double Bus. This is Gregory Piantadosi. I am your co-host and joined with me today on this fine Thursday evening is my co-host, Cristiano Tacalite. As always, how are we doing today, Cristiano? I'm doing good. I want to wish all my Double Buffs homies out there, all my LCS homies out there, a lovely week going into this weekend. If you watch LCS or if you listen to Double Buffs, you're a homie of mine, and that's all there is to it. Yeah, and for everyone that's in, that's new that's tuning in, this is a NALCS esports podcast where we give you all the best on what's happening in the league and our personal opinions and analysis of games, commentary, you know, whatever it is. Um, the game that stuck out to me in my mind recently, or at least I took a lot of notes on it, was Immortals vs. Dignitas. I was thinking mm-hmm. about kind of where Dignitas was at last split, where people were saying they were a dark horse coming into playoffs. They were playing 100 Thieves in the first round, and a lot of people predicted Dignitas to take that series over 100 Thieves. But what ended up happening is they got stomped 3-0, and I was thinking... Well, last split, they kind of got exposed for being, you know, maybe not as good as they were. But in particular, Fake God doesn't look as good to me as he did last split. I see him getting solo killed a lot and not necessarily having the same gravity that he did last split in team fights. Like last split, he had some really good NAR ultimates and stuff of that nature. But now this split, we see Impact solo killing him, having like an all-time game against him. We see Revenge solo killing him. And, you know, beyond him, I think Neo hasn't impressed me as much as last season. I, th- I feel like Danny kind of took his spot as uh, North America's new hyped ADC. But I think the conversation would get a little interesting when you think about both of their teams and maybe if you swapped Neo and Danny's teammates. Yeah, it's pretty um, pretty big fall from grace, if you remember, from season one of Double Buffs. Uh, we were sort of getting hyped up on Dignitas as the split went on, and I... I remember talking specifically about Neo and Fake God, saying these are two new or newer players in the case of Fake God, the league who have really started to impress me. And like you said, all of a sudden, Fake God seems to like lose all these lanes. Um, and yeah, just echoing what you said about his team fighting. And you know, maybe that's a result of management with um, stuff like the mysterious Saligo and Dardoch. Well, Dardoch less less mysterious. <laughs> I think we can imagine why he might have been removed. But some of these sort of funnier management decisions can sort of throw off the mojo of a team if all of a sudden your mid laner who you're gelling with uh, is like removed. Yeah. So maybe that could have something to do with it. Um, who was a lot the other of people were also like kind of speculating that like, you know, Dardoch got kicked because of attitude issues, but part of it might have been behind benching Soligo in favor of Yusui. Like, mm. the, the team didn't look as cohesive, and Dardoch wasn't looking as good as he did last split. And we know in the past, like, one time he was on Team Liquid, and they benched Phoenix for, I believe, Golden Glue. This is going back a few years ago. And Dardoch had some public comments um, at le- that kind of, like, came out publicly, where he was saying, you know, I need my Koreans. They're the best. And then it happened again with them, where his, his mid laners were placed, and then you know, but um, also like I, I kind of agree with Dardock in this sense because Yusui has honestly been underwhelming to me. I think Soligo last split had like some really good performances, especially on Zoe. You know, Yusui had a nice Yasuo game this weekend, which was pretty exciting to see. But all in all, I'm not too impressed with Dignitas, and I don't think they're going to really make any splashes this playoffs, expecting a first round exit. 
Yeah, even that Yasuo game that they won, I mean, you could always say a big part of it are the people setting up Yasuo with the knockups and stuff that allow him to go in. And also, I was watching, like, little individual plays, and I was seeing some weird stuff with, like, uh, not auto-attacking people he's right next to, which I can relate to. It sounds kind of funny, but, like, no, when that... you're in that high-pressure situation, it can be hard That's... to always remember. Yeah, what do you say? That's the Sven special. I always see him doing that in team fights. Yeah, yeah. You're, like, so focused on something else, you just stop auto-attacking. I saw a few of those with his Yasuo. But on the other hand, but, you know, they were playing... Immortals, who I also want to touch up on. Um, mm-hmm. Insanity looked pretty good on LeBlanc, but overall hasn't really been the star player of this Immortals team. I really think it's been um, uh, Ray's their ADC. I think he's quietly been really, really good. And, you know, people aren't really talking about him, but he has a good Ziggs, uh, a good Callista. He even has the pocket pick Draven, which he also looks good on. And. People aren't really talking about Immortals, but they have some nice players top to bottom. Like Xerxes, a pretty proven talent that's been all over the place. And I mm-hmm. could see a world where they maybe upset a C9 or TL kind of in the early rounds of the playoffs, especially because of like the internal turmoil that Cloud9 and Tim Look- Team Liquid are going through. I think one of the um, catalysts or one of the reasons they... Uh, you know, one of the consequences of having internal problems going into playoffs is that if you lose that game one, then trust might not necessarily be there. People start panicking a little bit more like, you know, this is time to like perform or is our, is our time, is our playoffs coming to an end? Is our world's coming to an end against such a bad team? That's where you can really get in your head. And I think mm-hmm. like a team like Team Soul Mid might not necessarily have that same issue, but if Mortals takes game one off a team like that, then who knows? Yeah, and they're having some strong showings. Um, like this weekend, they won against Evil Geniuses. They had a flawless 3-0 weekend, which is always really promising to see. And, you know, this is the time you want to be ramping up. You know, you're one week, two weeks behind or before playoffs. You want to really be hitting your peak form now. Um, you know, get as good of a playoff position as you can get. And, yeah, become a real threat to every team in the league, which I think Immortals has shown they can be, especially... Like I just said, taking down EG this weekend. Is there like a team in particular that that you're looking at come into playoffs? Like maybe as someone that you think's gonna not perform up to expectations or kind of a dark horse? Is there anyone in particular? I gotta say, I'm not so convinced by TSM. I know, Greg, you love your TSM, but I'm seeing some stuff, man. That just doesn't. I smell something bad going on. I got my nose. I got it up in the air, and some of these things I see Power of Evil doing on Syndra, like walking forward with his brain turned game. off. That was a bad game. I mean, you could say it's a bad game, but you know, if you have a bad game in playoffs, it's gonna count. No, and, that was uh, a bad game. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, Lost is looking. I feel like more and more of a weak spot for this team as well. Um, he's not really impressed me against. In any of like these matchups, I'm never like, whoa, lost. That was crazy. You just CS gapped him so hard or just went wild in the team fight or anything like that. And um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like with Lost, he sometimes like doesn't do anything too crazy in team fights. Like like what like I was saying last week, Sven doesn't necessarily have very high like he has kind of low highs, so maybe you can correlate that same point to lost. Yeah, but I do see in the laminating phase that 
<laughs> That's our friend Alec in the background. Yeah, you, excuse Alec. me. It's very unprofessional. Uh, but I do see <laughs> oh, in, during the laning phase, he sometimes solo kills or duo kills with Sword Art. I think as a duo, they're pretty good in the solo lane. And I think that's all they need to do for this team. I think the real like kind of flip side of this roster would be Huni, who I think has looked much, much better recently. And last week I was talking about TSM as a whole. They don't really have that spice that, this, that like Golden Guardians has kind of been showing us recently. But I think mm-hmm. it comes down to their ability to flex picks in the draft, especially between... Um, Spika and Huni. Like last split, we saw, or maybe t- uh, last last year, we saw Spika pull out the Shen in the jungle, for example. And this last week, we saw him pull mm-hmm. up Bundo in the jungle and Gwen in the jungle. And we oh, see yeah. Nocturne in the top lane. So there's kind of like these flexing that they can do. And that's kind of like their spice that I see that they could bring into playoffs. And they got down in some early deficits this past weekend and they managed to come back or at least keep the game really close. So I, I think TSM and Evil Geniuses are honestly the top two teams, the favorites coming so, into the playoffs. You mentioned seeing these like these Nocturne and these Mundo picks, and I see where you're coming from. But to me, especially the Huni continuing to pick Nocturne, it feels more like a crutch to me than anything else. It's like this really safe laner that... He probably isn't going to get solo killed on. You have your fear. You're super fast with your Q and your spell shield. And he also manages sometimes to like take advantage of the more aggressive aspects of it, obviously. Well, what about his like Jason Lee Sin games recently? He's looked pretty good on a few different picks, <sighs> especially in team fights. I, I can't. I, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But something in the back of my head just says, just doesn't believe in Hootie. And I, it's so sad for me to say that. I mean, I kind of, I kind of agree with you. It's kind of like, what, what is? I'm trying to reflect on the split. It's like I don't even remember yeah. TSM games. They're kind of just like there. They're really, really strange. I find a lot of the time, and it's just, it just kind of feels like they're bumbling around the map to me. Which I guess is, they probably have some idea of what they're doing. But I'm, I'm worried about TSM. And they're they're the ones who I think are going to take a dive in the playoffs. I, I well, I mean, I guess I see what you're saying, but TSM doesn't necessarily have the same like, you know, Power of Evil had a bad game this past week, but they don't necessarily have the same X factor of Jazuke or like on Evil Geniuses, right? Very coin flipping mm-hmm. team. Impact has looked so so dang good this split. Let me yeah, just say that for sure. But a player like Jazuke, you know, Power of Evil might have one game where he ends, but Jazuke could have an entire series where he ends. And <laughs> consistency in playoffs does matter. Um, I think another point on Evil Geniuses is Ignar picked out the Tom Catch support again this past week. They lost. Oh, God. Yeah. No impact whatsoever. Um, but yeah, how do you feel about Evil Geniuses? Like you said, I wish people would stop picking Tom Kench. I was just thinking, so like, the reason I think they they probably went with Tom Kench is because the uh, the opponent team took away that Thresh, which goes with Aphelios a lot, because you can lanter it out of sticky situations. You have a bunch of tools to peel the box, hook, flay. Like, basically every move you have can be used to peel for Aphelios, the dashless AD carry. Yeah. Um, and so you take that away, and I guess EG is probably thinking, okay, well, the next best thing at saving AD carry is Tom Kench... Mm-hmm. Eat, right? But it's just not really the case anymore. I mean, if you pick even something like 
Janna, something like Morgana. I feel like even these picks are protecting your AD carry in a in a better way than uh, Tom Kench's. I don't know what Tom Kench's niche is. And even honestly, he's being picked in solo lanes a lot right now. So I'm going off about Tom Kench. But I feel like even in solo lanes, I'm not that impressed by what he's doing. Like, it feels like he's just sort of another body that piles in when a team is already winning. But I, I don't feel like he's that useful on his own. Um, well, definitely comparing, yeah. like, Tom and Thresh. Like, Thresh just kind of does everything Tom Kench does, just at a much better level, at least right now after the re- rework. Yeah. Because Thresh Lantern has so many more applications than, a, and it's such lower cooldown than a Tom Kench Ultimate, uh, because that's his save ability now. But I mean, mm-hmm. the, Tom Kench in the solo lane, he is a pretty safe pick. He has that armor, and he has a lot of health and tankiness. He might be kind of a slower champion, but that's mm-hmm. kind of like how you can get a supportive element from a solo lane. So that's kind of like, like yeah. what he's good for. I see what you're saying. I, but then, I don't know. I, it comes back to me the same thing. He has, like, one supportive ability on a long cooldown. And so all the time that ability is not up, then he feels useless and, like, a pointless champion, which is... I mean, I kind of disagree, but... Maybe, yeah. I guess maybe his knockup is a little faster than I'm giving it credit for. But to me, I don't know. It seems so slow. All yeah. of his CC and, like... If you're a player with hands, you should be able to... I mean, comparatively, another, like, combination that I was thinking about this weekend... Like, I think Tom Kench, like, with all these skirmish champions in the middle of this big team fight, can have some worth where he slows down enemy champions, maybe saves a champion. But then when Mm -hmm. you have, like, a Viego, Gwen, LeBlanc type of composition where, like, you can't save everyone. One of these guys is going to get through and kill your AD carry... Yeah, um, I think almost like a better option right now is kind of to like a similar option is kind of like volley bear. Um, I was I've been seeing a lot of volley bear this weekend, and I think he's an S tier jungler right now. He has a really good early game. His flash stun is very easy to execute. Those tower dives when he's level six, he can turn off the turret for a few abilities, uh, for a few seconds. And I think him in combination with Another like uh, dunk bro, such as like Set, is pretty cool. Where Set can kind of ultimate and Volley Bear can ultimate on top. And then even when you get in these team fights where everyone's diving in to your ADC, you can get some like CC from the Volley Bear and still like counter their backline too. So I like that combination. Um, yeah, yeah, Volley Bear has been really impressive to me. Um, it's just so I I like the the new. Divine Sunder build a lot more than previously. You used to go like full tank volley bear, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the Divine Sunder a lot more. Um, it seems like characters that are threats um, that can like even output a little bit of their own damage are a little more popular in the meta right now. With or maybe it's just the strength of those those items like Divine Sunder. But I feel like with this more self sufficient uh, build, where you can sometimes even duel like. I don't know who I'm thinking, a mid laner or something, in the right circumstances. It makes Volley Bear feel a lot better to me, and he can actually be a, a pretty significant damage threat, like all the way to level 11, 12. I think um, one cool like composition that could work with Volley Bear and a Tom Kench 
would be mm-hmm. the other week we saw Golden Guardians play Tom Kench in the mid lane as kind of a counter to the Kali mid plus Sigs, mid, Sigs bot lane, so they didn't have the DPS to puncture through. And then it was mm-hmm. paired with the uh, Sivir Yumi with, to speed up the uh, Tom Kench and keep it fast. I think if you can get those three champions in the right like order, and then you also um, add like a Volley Bear into the jungle, and then in the top lane you can maybe even have like something really cool like a Darius, where like you have Tom Kench kind of flying in, <laughs> fa- and then you have another Dunk Bro with the Volley Bear, and then you have the Darius dunking in, and then Sivir speeding everyone up. That's one thing that could be cool because um, <laughs> our favorite, our best friend, uh, what's his face, who is Team Soul Mid's top laner? Oh, Broken Blade Ooh, actually, uh. Broken Blade. He had really good success with Darius last playoffs and actually won a few uh, series with it, and it, and it <laughs> even got banned out. Another cool pick that we saw in the LPL with Shaco, uh, JDG mm-hmm. played it. Um, our best friend Dom was casting that game. And oh, really? Yeah. That's it looks so really good. One of the things with Shaco is um, when you're starting, like on the top side, on the top right, if you're on that team, I forget if it's red yeah. side or blue side. I think it's red, so, yeah. Shaco usually puts a box like in the entrance next to the wraiths at 34 seconds. So that means he can get two boxes onto wraiths and one mm-hmm. box onto red. So naturally what you want to do is you want to kind of invade Shaco in the early game and mess up his boxes, and that puts him really far behind. But mm-hmm. that box that you place at 34 seconds, if your team's prepared in the same area that the enemy invades from, then it can. that's kind of how you turn that level one around. In this mm. specific game, the other team messed up. Because first of all, you shouldn't even go through that like mid lane area to the Wraith's jungle camp. You want to go like the long way. Because Shaco will always put the box in the high, like the highest probability um, area that will, you'll invade from. So you want to go yep. from a different direction. But they also won the team fight even without the box proccing, which was really surprising. But that was a cool <laughs> game to watch too. Yeah. Uh, speaking of LPL and like sort of a little bit about Volley Bear indirectly, uh, I was watching, I think it was IG versus Top Esports. And I just saw it in like my YouTube recommendations. I was like, "Oh, these are two famous teams. Let me see what how." It's like. <laughs> and I saw so they picked one of the teams picked Rise, and it, they had a really cool strategy where they had Zin Zhao, but this would work with like any diver or engage champ. And Rise was ulting, and only the Zin Zhao would get in the ult, and it would deliver him right to the back line as like they engaged on the front line. And um, it was a really cool look. So like, imagine you engage on the front line with your Nautilus or Leona or something. At the same time as your rise ulting volley bear into the back line, and he comes in and, and hmm. I don't know, sounds like a I, cool combo. One of those things with rise now that it's becoming kind of more meta is that his mm-hmm. ability to get off his his ultimate is kind of hot. Like it's like the application is ultimate. There's a lot of it, but it's kind of like bard ultimate where it's difficult to know when to use it and when not to use it. For and sure. the best rises are able to have some really good ultimates. I think Power of Evil had some really good Rise ultimates. Jizuke normally has some really good Rise ultimates. And I think mm-hmm. that's kind of what makes or breaks the champ most yeah. times when we see mid laners pilot it. Yeah, it's exciting to see those uh, like five-man Rise ults right into the Baron pit so that they don't have a vision of you going and rush down. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Another champion that's pretty popular right now is LeBlanc. Um, I was watching midbeast his youtube channel a few <laughs> weeks ago and he was talking about malzahar which is kind of showing up a little bit in the lpl as well in solo queue because it has a really good matchup into leblanc because when you think about it 
LeBlanc has early kill pressure onto a lot of mid laners. So a Malzahar with his spell shield, um, you negate some of that early poke. And then it's really easy to just kind of sit under your turret and then just push the wave with your Voidlings plus your uh, deep damage over time ability that jumps from one minion to another. And then in mm-hmm. the team fights, when you're starting to get active, it's really a late game champ, but in the mid game, as long as LeBlanc doesn't get fed in, you know, skirmishes and from roaming around early game, in the mid game, you can just alt the LeBlanc and then, you know, it's really easy to kill her if you have a volley bear and other champions coming on top. And then in the late game, you actually deal a lot of damage once you have like your uh, Leontre's Anguish plus your Demonic Embrace, your Rylai's Crystal Scepter, you can actually get a lot of AoE mm-hmm. damage and slow over time. So that's one cool pick that we saw this weekend. Black West pulled yeah. it out. That silence can be clutch too for a sort of stifling plays. If uh, oh, an yeah. enemy team engages on you, you drop that down on them, all of a sudden they're sitting there dead in the water for a few seconds. And so you can unload your good juice on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, good juice. Wait a minute. Uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, we just have uh, like one more week of LCS, right? Before playoffs? Yeah, I believe so. It's exciting stuff. Um, I've really been impressed with Lucian, too, while we're on the topic of, of interesting picks. Well, it's not that interesting anymore. It's sort of been dominating, but it really seems like in this meta where tanks aren't so prevalent, Lucian is like the, the ultimate midliner. Kind of. He has great wave clear. He has really good sustained damage on champions. His mobility is incredible. You're like never catching this guy in a team fight with Gale Force and his dash uh, cooldown being lowered by his double shots. The culling, there have been so many clips I've seen this season of people just like calling people down 100 to 0. Mm-hmm. And yeah, exactly. And he seems to have like no bad matchups really. Even like LeBlanc, who usually think of as like an aggressive, more early game matchup. You can see like all the way up to level 6 or 7 or. Yeah, around there. Lucian is, isn't is squishy enough at that point that you can really delete him, and he can still really fight back in that lane. And um, Yeah, I'm just expecting to see a lot of it coming into into playoffs. I think I think previously, when, when, we, when I saw a lot of Lucian in the mid lane, one of his issues was if he died early game, then maybe like you're saying, these tanks and then these mid lane mages would kind of keep him under as the game mm-hmm. progressed. But now it seems like even if he's kind of behind that he can have these really big callings that just burst out an AD carry or one of these like kind of off tank bruisers in the middle of a team mm-hmm. fight. Um, yeah. And will, that, yeah, go on. I was just, I was wondering if it would, if you could attribute that to the fact that now he builds the, uh, the Cyrilda's grudge item which has like that armor pen on it that makes your abilities, you know, hit harder more so than like crit or AD really would. And so maybe that can be a little bit of the reason why his culling seemed to be hitting a little harder. That definitely helps. Um, I think that was actually a good item that they added like in the, uh, like uh, one of the, uh, after that whole item rework, I'm pretty happy they added that as one of the items because we kind of see that as, one of the niche options with champions like Lucian or Ezreal or some of these poke AD carries, it's definitely a decision that you're going to make in the middle of the game, whether you want that or the other option. The mm-hmm. other option gives you a uh, crit, which is really important, and extra damage to tanks. But sometimes yeah. the slow is more valuable because you sure. know, you're getting off like three or four more of these culling 
attacks in the, uh, like onto an enemy that can really make or break a team fight. Yeah, true. Uh, a couple more mystic shots onto the enemy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'm trying okay. to think what else I have. I mean, honestly, I think EG and TSM look like the strongest teams in my opinion. Closely followed by 100 Thieves, but I could see them collapse in the playoffs easily. And then TL and C9, like I was saying earlier, one of the consequences of having internal problems is you might just randomly get tilted out of your mind in the middle of like one of these first round series. So I think it's going to yep. be an exciting. And then we have the Dark Horse Immortals come, come again. I think it's going to be exciting playoffs. How do you feel about it? I've, yeah, I'm in the same boat. Um, we kind of started spitting that narrative the other week of like, or even they said it, I heard them say it on the desk. Like usually the, this is kind of like the doldrum time of the split. Like the past two, three weeks, like you're kind of coming up near, near the end, but you still have like three or four weeks left where it can get to be like sort of a slog to be following LCS and you'll be watching like, okay, well like the ninth place team versus the 10th place team. This is really interesting. But um, like we were saying, the the sort of late bloom of these lower tier teams and the it's the opposite of blooming, blooming and fading. There's a word. Yeah, I don't know, fading of the upper tier teams, making them like kind of more. Come on, yeah, sort of more comparable has made things really interesting. Um. Oh, there's something I want to say after this. What do you got? Blooming antonyms. <laughs> what the heck? This is like sallowish, doughy, livid. Doughy. I, I don't. Nice. I don't think this this website's all that reliable. So a lot of people are like pretty pretty high on hundred thieves, right? Or like mm-hmm. decently high. But um, I was watching Abadaga. He was in an interview with Thorn, and I will dominate. The past week and he was saying some things that were like they didn't make him look too good or like they made him look a little concerning he was talking about how how his past um some of his past performances in europe were just like he was just really lazy and he just wanted to be playing because he could get paid to play video games and um then in the summer or his off season oh, wow. he would he would go and be able to hang out with his friends and stuff and it was it was a little awkward because you could see Dom and Thorin being kind of like, uh, but uh, it makes me a little bit concerned about. I mean, Abadage. did he say like this time's different at least, or he was just not really? I it was maybe, but oh boy, it was a little concerning. I don't I even know was... if I want him to go to Worlds now. Imagine that, it doesn't yeah. sound like he has that like hunger, like yeah, yeah, and. I don't know. We've Obviously, he, in, he's playing fine now, but we've seen that in rookie players before, like Adrian Stixay, kind of these <laughs> younger guys. Even some of the casters we used to have, Zyrene, they don't take their job seriously enough. I mean, part of the whole esports aspect, it, it's a really big, growing market, and it's very competitive, and people are taking it really seriously. But at the same time, it's still kind of in between that phase of like really competitive and video games are really fun. I think it'd be kind of sick to make out a career out of this if I could like kind of like a pipe dream that ends up coming real is like kind of how a lot of like the older generation looks at video games right now. If you get to the NBA for basketball, 
nine out of 10 times, you're going to have to be like grinding, grinding, grinding all the time. But with League of Legends, it does seem like, like it's not the same type of grind. Like it's, there's a grind to get really good, but it's also like, you can just play video games all day, which is a standard thing for a lot of kids and you can get there. With NBA champions, you're like pushing your body to the limit. You're throwing up after workouts. You're not throwing up after a league game. <laughs> I mean, dude, hopefully, I, hopefully. Some of the some of the games I have, I, let me tell you, it feels like I, I feel a little nauseous after I've seen some of the plays. Oh yeah, when we played for. when we played Clash last weekend, I was ready to throw a fit at myself. <laughs> Oh, that was golden. Yeah, Greg is a, a one-trick Shaco, obviously. And in Clash, you can see your opponent's most played champions, and Shaco is like the enemy's team's first ban. This madman took Ari mid. It was a disaster. I was like, he was like oh, what do I play? Christiana's mic is off. Mason's <laughs> mic is off. I don't want a jungle. I should have picked Ezreal. She, see, we should have game-planned more. Mm-hmm. I should have had, yeah. like, the... <laughs> I don't know. I could so have played Tom Tench time. even. I could have played Tom. That's Tom. true. Tom mid. I could have gone jungle. Yeah. Oh yeah, Tom and uh, Kiana. That, that would have been like my oh, third time. That would have been. Playing. I think that would have been dirty though. That sounds like a Just good rush matchup. Thorn now. Yeah. They also had a Vayne um, though, so I feel like Vayne is a pretty good pick into Tom Kent. To tanks, yeah. I don't think you're ever mm-hmm. catching her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. So yeah, do you, you remember feeling? the? I'm feeling good. Where I think it was Alfari, or it definitely was Alfari against Licorice, and it was Wukong against Gangplank at level one. And Azale is saying, "I'm really worried about this Gangplank. The matchup for Gangplank here is really bad." And as he's like finishing saying the sentence, Alfari solo kills Licorice at level one in that match, that same matchup. <laughs> just just something a little funny we'll call yeah. that um something something similar that i saw on reddit was like i i think it was alfari playing uh, jace and someone else was playing gangplank and he was saying oh i've seen this matchup a bunch of times in the lpl and jace always wins it's terrible and he was citing players that he's seen play and no one in the lpl has played that matchup this split <laughs> that's kind of funny as well <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess, wait a minute. So if I'm striking down, I forgot about this. If I'm striking down TSM as my second strongest team, I, it's only fair if I, if I raise my own contender, right? Yeah. So who do you, how do you kind of rate top five, six teams? Yeah. So I, I think Eel Geniuses right now is, is the best team, which I think is a pretty popular, almost bandwagon opinion right now. But, you know, I'm happy to hop on that bandwagon. But team number two. I think TL has fallen way too far out of favor to be considered for the position. And I think it's basically between Cloud9 and 100 Thieves. And I am more inclined to give to 100 Thieves right now, I would say. You think 100 After, Thieves and like Cloud9 would both beat TSM in series? Because I don't. You don't? I, can't, I, think I think so. I think TSM is one of the teams I'd want to face the least. Eh. <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know. I mean, Evil Geniuses, like, last split, like, they didn't look that great, but coming into playoffs, they looked much better. And now that they look really good, I'm, I'm a little scared for anyone that's playing against them once they yeah. get into playoffs because they could look even better. 
Yeah, that TSM 100 Thieves matchup, I really see sort of breaking down in the bot lane. I think for the most part, the rest of their players are pretty comparable, or like not comparable in any turn in any way other than like. We get okay, it. Ignore, ignore what I get. Just what said. you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so like, <laughs> sorry, yeah, but Lost and Sword Art, <laughs> I think, are uh, sort of a cut below your FBI's uh, Hookies. Sword Art and Hookie are, are pretty close, but okay, you caught me. I'm just actually hating on Lost for being. I mean, that's the thing. Player. I think their laning phase has been one of their strongest lanes this split. So I don't necessarily think you can equate. I don't think you can say that FBI and who he will run them over for three games in a row, maybe one game in the series. I could see it going heavily that side, but I could see just as easily one game going in the direction of TSM. My opinion. I'm, I'm so interested to see when the next time they play is, because this is, I feel pretty, I feel fairly strongly that TSM is not looking good. What's also interesting is if they were to match up in the playoffs, it would be Reaper's first time facing off against Bjergsen as coach, which is... <laughs> that, is that would be a dank matchup. It's kind of <gasps> interesting to consider. Greg, you'll never guess what tomorrow the first game is. Is it TSM versus 100 Thieves? That's exactly what it is, my friend. So that's the game to check out, to be looking out for this weekend, I would say. See which one of these double buffs... Um, is the buffest of the double individuals. <laughs> I mean... Gee. I mean... Come on, man. You don't have to do me like that. But any other interesting matchups coming up? EG Cloud9, it's worth, worth tuning in for. Liquid EG, I'd say also worth tuning in for. And final... Uh, oh, EG 100 Thieves. We got lots of good matchups this weekend, actually. Amazing. I mean, oh, I don't amazing. have anything else to be honest. I'm kind of out of words. Yeah, I've <laughs> been I've say. been blood dry of words. All right. Well, this has been episode 15 of Double Buffs. See you, homies. Double buff. See homies. you next week. LCS homies. <laughs>